This is a honky-tonk man, the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. Hey, everybody, this is Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man. You are listening to... And you're listening to The Wrestler Review. Priceless. Is there anyone more clearly from Mississippi than Harvey fucking, fucking Whippleman, guys? The guy who we didn't know, I didn't know this, certainly, still works with the WWE getting Big Show yeah, hot dogs. What's <laughs> even more than that, it's Grappy Survivor, who's part of some of the worst ideas that have ever happened in wrestling, and just, he survives. Like, it's that perfect deflection thing where it wasn't his idea, so they've just kept him around. And in, like, and in research, like, how close he is with The Rock is the weirdest thing. Yeah, man, he bought The Rock his first it's car. It's insane. Um... But it, it totally makes sense. We're diving right in here, but whatever. Uh, it totally makes sense why he would be, why he would be so close with all the wrestlers because the guy has admittedly no ego about this stuff. Like, imagine going from being a go getter. Like his his career is essentially, he's a go getter because that's what you do when you first start with wrestling. You go get people shit, and then he becomes one of the most over managers. In the history of Memphis wrestling, and then he doesn't want to man. He just ends up only owning rings and like setting up the rings for Memphis, and then goes to WWF. Obviously, is a manager there, becomes a road agent, and then they don't want him as a road agent anymore. So he's like, "I'll get people. Like I don't care. I'll just get people shit," and he does. He gets people like like there's a there's a bunch of stories of the Big Show talking about how he's gonna get in shape. And then Q Harvey Whippleman coming in with Popeyes yeah. and cigarettes next to Triple H. Like, right next to Triple H. A lot of really funny stories. And he seems like that dude that wrestlers want around because he's so he so likes being friends with wrestlers. Well, I, and I'll, I'll say why. He, he's I'll super say why, funny, but doesn't I'll say realize why. why. With wrestlers Because he's literally the size of an idea. Like, he, he has... <laughs> he's, he's not, not big. big. But he's Ooh. clearly drunk. Like, you can just look at this, tap him on the shoulder accidentally in a bar, and he whips back. You're a cunt. Like, it's just... <laughs> no. Well, here's the... here's All right, so he starts in 1979 mm. um, because he wants to get into a show for free, and they say, hey, if you put the ring up, we'll actually pay you. And then he goes, okay, cool. He's right there, you, right point, there you see his scumbagness. Fi- 15. I want, I want to get in the show for free. Uh, why? Uh, I want to. Yeah, put the ring up, I guess. I don't know. What the fuck? You should just, you should, you should just work here because your attitude towards life is that of all of our locker room. <laughs> but, like, doesn't he look and sound like that kid who he looks started like, smoking? Yeah, he looks like Bill. He looks like a family version of Bill Alfonso is what he. Yes, he looks like, you know what he does? Yeah. He look. He looks like the Bill Alfonso, where he had a good family, but like he's the guy in the trailer park whose parents liked, who loved him. But he's just it grew up in a trailer park, and that's not Harvey. Bad. If is anyone, Riley, Bill Alfonso is Bonnie Rotten. What's up, five people that got that reference? Jesus Christ, you fucking <laughs> awful person, <laughs> Riley Mason. Here's here's a here's a fun fact oh, about no. Riley Mason. Oh, no. Can I tell you this? I watched one. I watched. I tried to watch one once. I tried to watch one with her in in it once, and then I noticed a striking facial resemblance to our good friend Adam. Oh wow! I only just thought. <laughs> so, click on. <laughs> All right, John, can you click on Riley yep. Mason right now? Split screen it with 
very funny comedian, oh. Adam Christie. Notice how their faces and their bodies look pretty much the I'm same. Gonna, <laughs> I'm not going to do that because I'm in front of <laughs> my like, girlfriend's computer, but uh, I have to believe you, and even in my... Oh, Google incognito, you <laughs> fucking loser. Uh, um, I, I 100% believe you. Here's the thing, though. Adam saying this, Adam Christie starting a podcast war with you. Riley, twice the man you'll ever be. He doesn't yeah, have he a d- podcast. Yeah, he does. <laughs> 2009. Hold your applause. Oh, yeah. That yeah, was a great podcast. With it. They, they got jobs? Um, <laughs> yeah, they got writing jobs. They don't just... They don't just go, uh, hey, we need a place to swear while we're not <laughs> yeah. swearing at night. <laughs> we, we need to fit in some day to, swearing. I, <laughs> <laughs> I need to fit. In, I need to do something in the daytime between talking about my dick in front of people who don't want to. Create a platform where they do want to hear it. <laughs> so. Uh, so he gets, so here's what, by his own admission, he uh, attends a show and basically they say, you'll get paid for this. Uh, so he does, and basically likes the wrestling industry because at the time he's thirteen, he hasn't yet turned fourteen, so he's right in oh, Jerry yeah. Lawler's wheelhouse, and uh, he's basically is like I really liked it because they would give me beer and cigarettes. Um, also, uh, he just left his yeah, parents. That's the weird thing I I couldn't figure like, out. He was like I he called his mom either. Where I was like, did you just live in fucking Jerry like in Bill Dundee's shed? Like what the fuck? Yeah, man. I mean, oh man, we'll have to talk about his relationship with Bill Dundee. Let's talk about it right now, Dylan. Let's talk about it right now. Yeah, man. He just yeah. Let's talk about it right now. Well, because I just want to. Uh, the weird thing is, he just became a manager because they kind of needed managers. After we talked about it, actually, I didn't realize how well this all plays in together. But if you want to listen to Jimmy Hart first and then Harvey Whippleman, essentially Jimmy Hart leaves, and they're like, "Holy shit!" Like, here's how they basically he comes in. Jimmy Hart, uh, Jimmy Hart leaves. He comes in, and then shortly afterwards, uh, Paul Heyman, which is insane. How like Memphis? This podcast has given me a real appreciation for how much of a fucking talent factory yeah, Memphis well, the, wrestling the thing, is. The thing with it also is like, that they had a def- really worked because they had the most. They had basically the Hulk Hogan of territory wrestling, which was Jer- Jerry Lawler never left, never stopped being over, and was able to seamlessly heel to face. Is pretty fucking crazy. Yeah, it and is like, nuts. It's nuts that he stayed on top for that long in that territory. He stayed on top for that long and never really cooled. And by the way, is still like on top in the remnants of that. Yeah, of course. It's so weird that a guy that a territory. I mean, we'll do a Jerry Lawler episode, of, oh, of course. Yeah. But yeah, a Jerry Lawler two month episode. W- one entire month will be focused on that trial. At <laughs> well, that's the thing, man. Jerry Lawler, I'm going to say this right now because I don't think I'll be able to remember it for the Lawler episode when we do it, whenever we do it, but he's literally the Roman Polanski of professional Good fucking God. Good he's fucking God. He's artistically amazing, amazing, but just personally Oh, do you consider repugnant. the time he yelled puppies uh, his version of the pianist? <laughs> no, I think they were like, Vince McMahon was like, I don't know how to tell you this, but uh, we, need, uh, we need a pervert. And he was like... Be yeah. the real me. I think I can do I'm, that. Like, it's also like I'm reading Jim Cornette or Jim Ross's book, and Jim Ross is like he's a weed smoking stoner wrestling nerd, and they paired him with a guy who smells like Twinkies, who's like, who's not even going smell my finger. He's saying smell my dick. <laughs> <laughs> it's alarming in professional wrestling the amount of people who are like, oh, I don't drink or do drugs. That would be too ordinarily yeah. weird. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't drink. I don't do drug. I have ever have experienced 
A woman with every last name in the world. Oh, I've already made made Whoopi with a smith. You have not my fancy, yeah. madam. They're like, they're like, I would drink, but I'm too busy literally attempting to not ever lose my vaginal virginity. I only... I only fuck in the ass. <laughs> the vagina is so yeah. normal. <laughs> I I need to take something. From, I don't want the pleasure. I, I don't like pain. things that make themselves wet. I control what's wet. I control what's wet. <laughs> I don't like things that make themselves wet. I control the wet. I control the wet. That's what, that's what Jerry always sings every time he's off on a date. What a terrifying but I control song. the wet. I Oh, it's so fucking ghastly. So, the crazy thing is, I didn't know this either, is that uh, Harvey Whippum's the one that got Psycho Sid his uh, break as Lord Well, this is, con- this is one of those ones where there's about 40 people that claim they got his break, because Jim Cornette also says that, I fucking saw that fucking guy, and I said he's the fucking Lord Humongous, he fucking cunt. Uh, Jerry Lawler also takes like great relish in saying he regrets ever breaking him into the business, but it is very interesting. It, Downtown Bruno's story seems to hold up the most, but yeah, no, a lot of people take credit for like, I was driving by a tire factory and someone was eating tires and I thought, oh, that's probably going to be a wrestler. But the other thing is, I don't know, I would say the guy who's, who will probably be vouched for that actually did it would be Whippleman, and I don't think that that has anything to do with truth necessarily i just think that like i mean for all the people uh, listen to this harvey whippleman and psycho sit are very close to this day it's got to be such a weird relationship here's one of the best stories though like i didn't I, you always think sid is like a super selfish guy right listen to him talk about harvey whippleman and you're like first of all sid is great <laughs> listen to harvey whippleman <laughs> anything with harvey whippleman and you think sid is great Vader's a piece of shit. Whippleman hates Vader. Hates Vader. He fucking hates Vader. Oh my god, he doesn't stop talking. Well, if you're going, if you're the guy that gets food, (laughs) of course you're gonna hate Vader. You bring a guy like a sleeve of In and Out burgers, and then he's like, "Now ribs." I need my vegetables and by vegetables I mean wine. (laughs) Um, no, there's a great story where like. Whippleman and this dude almost got into it at a bar. The guy was like uh, Harvey's size. And uh, Sid and some other wrestlers were there. And uh, then Whippleman keeps on like pointing at the wrestlers and being like, you don't want to fuck with me. You don't want to fuck with me. And he's calling the guy out like you're a fucking pussy and whatever. And then Whippleman ends up going to the bathroom. And Sid walks over the guy and goes, why are you taking all this shit from this dude? He's like, well, I don't want you guys to beat me up. And Sid goes... We're not his friends. <laughs> so then Wilhelm comes out of the bathroom and goes, you want to go outside? You want to go outside, you little bitch? The guy goes, yeah. And Harvey's like, okay. And he looks over at Sid and them. And then they're just like, all right, see you, whoever you are. <laughs> he goes outside and he loses a fight <laughs> to another guy. <laughs> and then I was like, holy shit. Is Psycho Sid charming? Like, the thing is, is that guy did get hired after stabbing a man multiple times. Like, the thing with Sid is, like, they keep bringing him back. Wrestlers seem to really like him. He just seems like a southern buffoon who doesn't give a fuck. Totally. And he's, um, and he likes softball. I don't think it's weird, especially in that time. We said this during the Sid episode, but I don't think it's weird during that time to be a dude who's, you feel so secure in your job that you take a couple days off. 
to play yeah. your hobby. Or, you know, you threaten Jim Cornette with going back to sell farm chemicals when you don't want to come do an interview. <coughs> I'll just exactly. go fucking sell farm chemicals, but, Jimmy. What the fuck are farm chemicals? Oh, buddy. If you're from Arkansas, you know what fucking yeah, farm chemicals cum. are, it's baby. Just cow cum. Cow cum. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, he, but he apparently, uh, the way he got, he was in Memphis for a long time, managing a bevy of wrestlers, always against Jerry Lawler. Um, he also was like managing Typhoon for a I while. I couldn't figure out what Typhoon's Memphis wrestling name was, although on his trunks it says Bubba, but only with one B. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my it's name is Bubba. Bubba. He also man- managed the great Goliath. Uh, now, keep in mind, to make him seem big city and schnazzy, um, uh, what city did they say he, he was from? Oh, man. Pittsburgh. I don't know. <laughs> that is so uh, funny. I am from the. All right, can I do the UK? Can I do the UK yes, and Canadian can. version? All right, we run a territory in Calgary. You're a big city. You're a big city boy, aren't you? That means you're from Hamilton. <laughs> or like, oh, we run a fr- we run a little we want to run a little Liverpool, little bit of Liverpool wrestling here. You're a big city boy. Where are you yeah, from? No. Birmingham. Birmingham was far too big for Liverpool. They'd be like, you're from Rumcorn. <laughs> That's what I love about the UK is that that they were like. Half of the half of the cities must have good names. The other ones break out the book of stupid fucking names. The thing to also keep in mind is Stratcher upon <laughs> kissing. Welcome to <laughs> Shropshire upon me. Man, man, man. The amount of the amount of towns that just have upon on there. Yeah, because are great. you had to differentiate because they're um, upon that body of water. You fucking cuck. Um, I got a body of water. It's I called my load. That's, that's inappropriate. And I don't care for it. You can use Stop that. Stop being inappropriate. I'm sorry. It's in my blood. I got some blood for you in my balls. Okay. <laughs> balls blood. YOLO. Um, so he gets out of Memphis, and uh, how does he get out of Memphis? Basically, I assume he... Ju- said, okay, let me guess. I'm uh, going to guess. He jumps into a road case and wakes up in New York. <laughs> yeah, it's... He... Yeah, he's so... If it's 30 years earlier, this dude's riding the rails for sure. This dude is like a Woody. This guy, and that's how I met Woody Guthrie. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, Woody Guthrie, that all of Bob Dylan's songs were written by Woody me Guthrie owes me. me 40 bucks for a time. I bet him whether or not I would eat a rat live. I did, and I fucked the rat. <laughs> he said I'd eat it. He didn't say I'd eat two. Yeah, your mom. I married your mom. Your mom's a rat. Ha, 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 Oh, here's how it happened. He was basically a transitioned out of being a manager, which is insane because at this point he's been in the business for eight years, no, 10 years, sorry. That means he's the ripe old age mm-hmm. of 25. <laughs> he's a 25-year-old man. Look at early Harvey Whippleman in the WWF. He is a 27-year-old man. Anyway, so there's two things to happen. Basically, Sid transitions from being Lord Humongous. He goes into WCW. He says, "Do you want a job with WCW?" Harvey Wilkins. No, I, I'm I'm the kind of guy that wants to die yeah. forty seconds from where I literally fell out of me mum. Yeah, That's legitimately though, he just wants he likes wrestling and he wants to work near his house. So. Uh, then Whippleman, um, it's been a couple years. He's doing the rings for Memphis. He's pretty much, he's still on TV, but he's transitioning off. And, uh, he's setting up the ring one day and he tells Lawler, like, cause Sid now is going to WWF and he's like, oh yeah, WWF offered me a job. And Lawler says, oh, so you, wait a minute, you got offered a job in the WWF 
and now you're setting up a ring. Yeah, ring. what are you fucking doing? And he's like, and this is the best part of how you read it. He's he's basically and like, then he fires yeah? him. as if Lawler's the asshole. He's like, yeah, yeah he's you like, gotta go, prick face. Yeah, and he goes, uh, well, you're fired. And then uh, and then Whippleman says, well, what if I what if I fail there? And he's like, well, you can reapply here. So it's just basically like, you have a job here whenever you need it, but like go try and buy a house, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but it's hard to tell you. Like, if I was, how old is he here? So that's 89. He's, yeah, 24. If I was 24 years old and I had, like, a badass job making, like, $70,000 a year next to my house, I don't know how pumped I would be to fucking... I mean, actually, no, I would be 24. I would be like, yes, let's get some of that new. Yeah, North but the thing you also have to remember is you know it's also mean? it's the WWE <laughs> in the late days of Hogan, and you're coming from in this time also. You have to remember that this is when like the WWE is sort of faltering. And for a Southern a Southern boy from Memphis, the idea of going to the WWE, you're, like you're going and siding with the enemy. Like this is, you know, in the nascent days of them beginning the working relationship with Memphis because of the Jerry Lawler connection. But Lawler hasn't gone there yet. So for him, who he's basically betraying his hero. So he goes, um, and he's a, he's a, he's a happy boy to go, not, um, and they have him come in when Sid Justice has been turned on or turns on Hulk Hogan. The way they do that angle, Hogan clearly should have been the heel, but they couldn't do that, so they make it Sid Vicious. Keep in mind, Sid Vicious was never brought in to be a heel. He was brought in to be the replacement for Hulk Hogan. And he said to Vince McMahon, I quote, nah, I won't be a big vicious heel. I'm a big vicious heel. And Vince McMahon was like, well, I guess if a guy doesn't want $7 million, you can't make him pick it up. And um, then Harvey Whippleman debuts. To be fair, though, like it's 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 oh, I was going to say to be fair, though, um, that's a good call by Sid Vicious because it's like you go from Mr. America to your top babyface being storyline a schizophrenic. Yeah, basically, head. what it would, what it what it is like is that's that your- <laughs> Sid, uh, Sid Vicious has a passing resemblance to superstar Billy Graham, and Vince McMahon has never gotten over the fact that his dad took the belt off superstar Billy Graham, even though Vince McMahon preferred super to Bob Backlund. I legitimately believe that. That's where that comes. That's yeah. so weird. But yeah, Sid Vicious has a delicious body back then. And Harvey Whippleman's a really good friend of his, um, and like I've said it before, man, watching these watching these old Sid, though Doctor Harvey Whippleman, actually he doesn't. He gets first at first at first first first. The way he gets brought in is he's doing a interview with Gene Oakland, Yo. and uh, he says Vince goes, "Show me yes, something." Yes, this I've is never the best. This before. is so fucking good. Yeah, and then he slaps Gene Okerlund in the face, and they do the interview, and uh, Vince says, you didn't slap him hard enough, but also, yeah, we're doing it again tomorrow, but also when Gene comes in here, I'm going to chew you out. Yeah, of course you would. Do you understand that it's fucking Gene Okerlund? Like, Gene Okerlund, okay, aside the fact that he's turned into a psychosexual sadist on this very program... Every wrestler is like, oh, Gene Okerlund. Yeah, he seems like your nice uncle. And then there's a pause as if it's like, but that guy will, f- like, there's something that he's done or is capable of doing that I, I I can't even fathom that everyone, watch out for Gene Okerlund. He'll just fuck your mom. Harvey, thank you for slapping me. Yeah. How cute. Do you know I have your wife Harvey. in my car? You've just chosen Harvey. Gutter. Do you think that that is going to stop me from literally fucking your dad, even though I consider that a sin? <laughs> That's very interesting that you would slap me, Harvey. Did you enjoy the burger, Harvey? 
Do you know the burger was? That was your father and your mother. Welcome, Harvey. welcome everyone Virginia. to the inside of Harvey Whitbubbin's house. He doesn't know I'm here, <laughs> but I'm slowly adding drops of my own blood to various parts of his possessions. Now, based on my sexual history, I have a con cocktail of STDs that, at this point, once touched, will turn you into AIDS. Now, if you'll excuse me. I'm off to shit in his toaster and then kill his cat with my dick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Harvey Whippleman slaps Gene Okerlund. Gene Okerlund just like touches his face like, oh, good job. Roll the footage. That's just me sleeping. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I have tapes of yeah, everyone sleeping. Coming up next. Sue what you don't sleeping. see in this tape is that I'm nude and I have keys to your house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm nude yeah. and just off camera. You, s you see that white? That's my ejaculate, Harvey. What's more I terrifying, the, the fact that I was able to set up a video camera in there or that none of your neighbors reported a bald man from Florida walking nude to his reasonably priced sedan? <laughs> I, I kind of hope, I hope that... I, I hope that the slap by Harvey Whippleman is what sent Gene Okerlund on his murder spree. It probably did. I mean, in yeah, real no, life, absolutely. Vince McMahon, I've been disrespected by someone I would best describe as wet clothing. Either you <laughs> fire him or I, I swear to fucking God, I'm going to let Macho Man Randy Savage do what he continually talks about doing. <laughs> we should do, Um, I want to rewind a bit. Um. I want to rewind a bit and uh, talk about some final things I kind of skipped over with the Memphis and him coming up, and then we'll take a break. But uh, one thing I wanted to discuss is he, Bruno, we call him Bruno Lauer, hates, hates Bill Dundee I so know. fucking much because Bill Dundee was such a fucking asshole to him. And let me tell you this, there's nothing that stands up more than hatred of Bill Dundee if you've ever seen anything with Jamie Oh, my Dundee. God, yeah. Like, I'm... One hundred. Anyone who's like Bill Dundee's a piece of shit, and I'm like, yeah, I've seen how his son turns out. I believe it. <laughs> well, it's just one of those things where it's like, son, let me teach you the birds and the bees. The birds are black people, and the bees are black people. Yeah, I hate them both. Son, how old are you? I'm seven. Hmm. Why don't you smell like a woman? <laughs> you you got any pussy yet? I'm still seven. When I was your yep. age, I was taken by my grandmother to the nursing home and I was passed around like a nice hat at a tea party. You would be doing the same. <laughs> but he hates Bill Dundee. It's and the other thing is, he was a go-getter. under 18, Jamie. <coughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Jerry taught me that. Oh my God. I feel, <laughs> I feel, yeah, I feel for very... Sure. For sure. I feel you very go bad. Lawler. You gotta go with Lawler. You should. You should. You yeah, have no know. career anymore. Oh, my God. This podcast has ended any chance of either one of us to go. Yeah, this is a nice thing to do before we bulk delete it, and we assume everyone here better yeah. keep their fucking mouth shut. Well, let's put it this way. <laughs> if and when one of us gets a so, big show business opportunity and the contents of this podcast are revealed, it will be so damning, it will somehow save Louis C.K. and Harvey Weinstein's career. <laughs> No, we'll just we'll just smoothly move into having to pretend we're alt right. <laughs> we'll be we'll be you embraced do understand by the, the alt right. Will not exist. The alt right is basically gone the way of the Tea Party and the yippies and the hippie. Like the alt right at this point is now just going to be a thing you dress up hilariously for as a Halloween costume in universe. I fucking hope. One hundred percent. I really. Hope they so. are. They're already. They've already reached Juggalos level, which is like. Oh my god, really? 
Like, give it time. Give it fucking time. Let's hope so, John. So why does he hate Bill Dundee? Take me through why he hates Bill Dundee. I don't know. He won't even talk about it. He talks about how he talks about how at one point um, Bill Dundee like kept trying to sabotage his heat as a manager because he felt threatened by him. And keep in mind, this is like a 20, at this point, what, 22-year-old guy? He keeps trying to sabotage him and just like overall Keep in mind, Bill Dundee was brought into work for... And treats him like shit. Like, Bill Dundee was brought into work for Cowboy Bill Watts. This is a roundabout way to prove a point. Bill Watts was like, there is no way you can wrestle. You'll just book yourself to beat all my monster heroes and fuck my territory. And Bill Dundee was like, no way will I do that, Cowboy. Don't worry about it. And he was like, all right, after three months, I'll let you go in the ring. He literally booked himself to beat every monster heel in like the next three, like in like one circuit loop. He was like, oh, no, I got to beat him to get over. And they were like, absolutely not. You're fired. <laughs> like, Yeah, of course. And he just like the worst fucking bottle oh my god you've it's, ever seen in your fucking it's black life. as the backside of the moon being worn by like a guy who's just a guy who's visibly out of breath just <sighs> and yet here's what's the weird thing he breaks every rule that jim Cornette sets for booking and yet jim Cornette loves the fucking guy yeah like he doesn't really? have a bad word to say about it it's the weird it's this weird hypocrisy jim Cornette has which is like if i liked you when i was a kid you're cool you fucking kid yeah exactly yeah yeah, Jim Cornette, uh, uh, as we've said before, is the first, not the first, but maybe the most like hipster wrestling fan. You could are you be. talking about his clothing? Like he? Are you talking about his? Are you talking about his love of Wendy's, which is ironic to some people? <laughs> no, I'm talking about how Jim Cornette's for sure favorite wrestler is someone you've never heard of. From a territory who was pretty good, but now he's the best because Jim Cornette. He's Jim's wrestler. He's just he's just all. I for think Jim, his favorite wrestler you know? is someone. Um, he's like Bill Dundee or Jerry Lawler. Like it's a weird thing like that. He love yeah. He does love Memphis. He thinks Jerry Lawler is like. Which by the way, as much as I fucking as much as I fucking hate the Memphis territory because it's essentially the Penn State in the middle two thousand. <laughs> It's pro it's wrestling, pro wrestling Penn, Penn State, State, baby. Except Paterno yeah, is in on it. Yeah, except Paterno is also Sandusky. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it it literally has produced most of the major wrestling talent, with the exception of Ric Flair and Jim Ross. Like that. That's about it. And we're gonna get into something that happens in 1993 after the break. All right. That Can you, okay. So, Bill Dundee. Anyway. What does he do to Bill Dundee? I'm sorry. This so is, here's this has been a scattershot episode, but guys, we're talking about basically a cigarette who drives drunk. So you know, you got to fill the air. <laughs> no, but he's um, Bill Dundee. Basically, he just he won't he won't say a lot of times um, because he won't even speak the dude's name. Like I he fucking, fucking hates love the guy it. that much, and he'll like shout off on Vader. He'll shout off on a bunch of dudes, but he will not. Will and it's not like this not guy hasn't done embarrassing shit in the name of wrestling. For fuck's sakes, he dressed up like a gal. He's the only man to win the WWF Championship. Something by his own admission is the worst moment in the history of Monday Night Raw. Hey man, the reason he did is also great. Um, I just wanted to get to this part where basically he was a go getter. So basically, he's been doing. The, he's full circle. He has the same job. He had when he was 10 that he does now in his early 50s. Also, he's so young, man. Anyway, uh, he was a go-getter for a bunch of mob guys, kind of think like Ray Liotta and yeah. Goodfellas at the start. And then I just was like, all right, well, I'll just do a, like a little bit of research on the three mob guys he mentions, uh, which are Billy Ray Williamson, Arthur Baldwin, and Bobby Earwood. Uh, Bobby Earwood and Billy Ray Williamson, not much like... 
some scattered stuff. It could be anybody, you know what I mean? I couldn't find anyone from that time frame in court records. But Arthur Baldwin mentioned extensively in a ton of JFK movies. Oh, no. So he was a go-getter for a guy who, if you look at this, it's like, what's he, 10? That's 74. A guy who, uh, I mean, it's a JFK thing, so whatever, but maybe was involved in the assassination of the President of the United States and was totally cool and asked old Harvey te- to get him a Are you sub. telling me that Harvey <laughs> Whippleman was on the grassy knoll? I really hope so. He was, yeah, two years before he was born, he was on the grassy knoll going like, they ain't got no... That may explain why whenever Kamala was sending up for uh, the big splash, he would yell back into the left. (laughs) I also want to say that uh, it wasn't like the guy like had the gun or anything. He was just like he was one of the many people that yeah. Because the whole thing is Jack Ruby was a mafia guy. Like it's yeah, it's all fucking weird. Yeah, we'll do we'll (laughs) we'll maybe do a history podcast that's just as. Spot oh, Dylan brings that up. Here's a uh, ladies and gentlemen who's listening to the rest of the review. Here's the idea I have for our spinoff podcast. We review every insane clown posse song one at a time. What do you prefer? Yeah, I think it's such a no. good idea. <laughs> I want I it so want bad. That. Do you I understand how that bad all. that podcast would be? You know how <laughs> like, God, would that be podcast horrible. Would be? Like one of our friends, uh, Guy Montgomery. He's a man from oh New my Zealand. God, the, you should look up his podcast. I forget the name of it. Pod- the worst idea ever podcast. Um, what they do is they watch the same movie every week for like every, every week, week or every day for years. For am- yeah. Yeah. Every week for a whole year, they watch the same movie. And the first one, the first season, I suppose, is Sex in the City 2. And he said it was like a psychological experience. Like, I'm going to Because he, he also said it fucked with time because for a while it could move really quick because he knew the pacing of it. And then it just one day slowed. Because <laughs> it's a two and a half hour fucking movie. It's insane. But after this, uh, after this break, we will be getting to Harvey Whippleman's WWF career, which will include some of my favorite stuff. Um, oh, Birth yeah. of Faye. Uh, it includes the Sid run, of course. We get to uh, Kamala. We get to uh, the bizarro Memphis angle. Oh, oh my baby. God. He fights fucking uh, Howard Finkel. It's a great time. Yeah. And he calls Howard Finkel <laughs> retarded. <laughs> <laughs> you look retarded. That is one of the things he says in 1993. And people are like, we need to go PG like in 93. Like when you call a guy retarded. Yeah, when, you, when you call one of your chief executives retarded. When you call the guy who named WrestleMania Great stuff. a Tay-Tay. <laughs> so that all of that after the break. This one will be even shorter. Patreon.com backslash rest of the review. You know why to go there, and if you don't, suck it. There's shit on my ass. Holy motherfucking shit. Fuck, 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 shit, fuck That ass. break was short for you, but was long for us, which is how women Yolo. feel about our dick. Yo, one stroke in it. Dylan does that. I do a lot more strokes than that. I'm good at love, mate. I'm good for me. <laughs> I'm real good for me. Uh, that's Dylan, what what's do. the longest you've made love to your wife? I don't know, man. I was drunk. My mat. Yeah, how it is? Longest sex session, three hours, and I my. Um, well, did you have uh, beer in there? Uh, yeah, I had two beers. <laughs> well, you were drinking during it. No, no, like right before. I had two beers, and then it, then it was on. Oh yeah. yeah. Nice. My longest, forty-eight seconds. No, I meant yeah, uh, four strokes. One every twelve seconds. That's how yeah, I do one. things. 
Yeah. Bow wow. Stroke. One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, four Mississippi, five Mississippi. Ha, ha, baby. Who do you think Bruno Whippleman has fucked in the backstage area? Well, there is a rumor that uh, perpetuated by the man himself, actually, Scotty Riggs, that him and... Oh, who fuck was it? All right, I'm going to... It was Scotty Rigg and fucking Brian Christopher double teamed uh, Mr. Wibbleman's wife. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. And he was like, Briggs just said, I feel bad about that now. <laughs> oh, poor fucking Bruno. Oh, Bruno's fine. Are we going to cover the aspect that he's the angel of death? Are we going to get to that? Or... I mean, we will, yes. Yeah, he's the angel of death. We got to do his whole wrestling career before we get to the fact that he may be uh, one of the ones who goes from one side of <laughs> one side of life to the other. He lives in your dreams. But what does he do in your dreams? He gets yeah. you cigarettes. Oh, he tells you where to get discount DVDs. <laughs> his coat. <laughs> if you want Blu-ray, I don't do Blu-ray. Here's a bunch of DVDs. Here's the thing. Br uh, uh, Brutal Lauer looks like the kind of guy that in the comedy world knows where you can get cheap chicken wings any day of the week. <laughs> oh, man. There's nothing better. There's nothing better. I, know, I hope any of you have traveled for work because there's nothing better when they hook you up with a... With uh, someone in that town who's nice and then knows where to get the cheapest. Oh, that's who this guy is. He's like, you want to do laundry that doesn't lock the laundry room? All you got to do is wait for a resident to let you in. <laughs> well, that's like the idea of like if I was to show someone Toronto, they'd be like, why are we getting on the subway? I'm like, beef patties. <laughs> the best beef patties are in subway stations here. Is that true? Yeah, man. Bathurst Station and Warden Station. You can go on one line. So at Warden, here's what they do. They'll open up a beef patty and just assault a culture by putting, like, green peppers and shit in there. Red peppers? Ooh, baby. Roast them up. Put you, mean them like a you mean like a Jamaican and, uh, patty, right? So it's sort of like a... Yeah, yeah. they open up They open up the J Jamaican patty. They'll throw uh, some roasted red peppers in there with a bit of mayonnaise or whatever your sauce of choice is. And then uh, you go to Bathroom Station. It's about 20 minutes away from Warden Station on the subway. And you just get a classic, lovely baked yeah. patty. Yeah, it's the color yellow that you don't really think you'd see in nature. <laughs> it truly is the autumn leaf mm. of food. Such beauty. How do you get this? How do you get this pastry to have a yellow hue? You hate it. <laughs> well, it's just years of jaundice. I hate. It's it's crazy that Harvey Whippleman hasn't had jaundice. Oh, I think he has. I'm just dealing with a bit of jaundice right now. It turns out if you make a cigarette sandwich, that doesn't count. The as amount vegan. of times this guy just talks about how he likes beer is crazy. Oh, man, this man loves beer. And it's so weird that they, like, he was always wearing a suit as a kid because it's like, this is a real life what they attempted to do with Jamie Noble and Nitty. Yeah. But the difference is that. Like, he must have been backstage being like, oh, they made my life a character. Yeah. <laughs> And it's also like no one seems to respect him, but they all... Yeah, I mean, he's super... He'll just do whatever. Like, he just wants to work in wrestling. Yeah, we'll get to the Brian Pillman story in a minute. But uh, so, so he's now managing Psycho Sid. Things are going well. Sid loses... Okay, oh, no, we should... No, we should say before that he starts off managing Bully Big Music. Bully Buick. And that's then, right. Which uh, uh, sorry, we had technical difficulties, so I'll say yeah, this. they miscredit on the. Uh, they misquoted on the website is Bill Big Billy Buick. What the fuck, WWE? Although, man, they say he was he didn't really get it. Like he didn't really get working, is what Whippleman said. But I cannot like my one of my hashtag life goals for 2018 is to get a bit more uh, in shape. 
And uh, if I end up having a fedora, or no, he has a bowler hat, no shirt with a cigar, and a Fu Manchu. And if I end up looking like that at the start of 2019, I will not be disappointed. Yeah, bro, you look fucking good. My goal is big bully music. This guy does comedy with no shirt on. Super sick. That's yeah, you'd be I'll like the Burt Kreischer of Canada. <laughs> Except way more fucking Jack. Yeah, of course, bro. you got a fucking hard dick and hard pecs. Ooh, yeah, everyone will know. I'll always be hard on stage. <laughs> That'll be my thing. This guy popped a Viagra. Yeah. I do 300 shows a year. My dick is so How tired. How many milligram Cialis do you take? I take three 40 milligram Cialis. Here's one. You take one orally, you snort the other one. It gives you a good ride. He uh, starts managing Sid, who's just like, obviously, we've addressed this. They're friends. Sid wanted to bring him in to uh, WWF in the first place. But um, basically, since we did the whole thing where he didn't want to go, and then Lawler essentially sent him there, um, he wasn't managing Sid at first. But then they do the big switch where uh, Sid becomes a heel, and now Whippleman is his manager. He's doing Dr. Harvey Whippleman. Where he would uh, carry uh, Dr. Bag to the ring and check the guy's heart and then just say he was dead and put him on a gurney. Yeah, and then they'd put a weird little sign that like, you'd see outside of the front of an office in the 70s that said, call 911. And then Sid, for no reason at all, would take the gurney and then just run it into the side of the ring. Yeah, it's a weird one because I feel like Sid, for this time... I never really realized this, but how plain a character he was. So they try and like dress it up by having Whippleman come. And it actually, ki- I actually but think like, it kind of works this- because you have this fucking maniac guy, and then it just looks like, and then a fraudulent gentleman with him. Yeah, yeah, Carney yeah. Barker. Like he essentially is just trying. Like he goes from Pee Wee Herman, and I guarantee once Pee Wee Herman went through the whole I jack off in public scandal, they were like, well, we got to step away from this, and made him Doctor. That Harvey said, Whippleman. like. I understand that they need to step away from it, but it's like, if anyone's going to jack off in a movie theater, it's going to be Daddy Whippleman. You know what I mean? Like, they're like, yeah, we should move away from this, <laughs> even though it's so on fucking point as this character. Yeah. And it, add a, it adds a lot to Sid, but it's like, I'm a big fan of, like, you're, you're a big fan of tag teams matching up. I'm a big fan of the manager matching the guy. They're one hundred percent. I absolutely agree. And that that is just like there's so many times where it's like, oh, we'll put this manager with you, so you'll get more over. And it doesn't really work because there's no real reason. Like knowing that they're friends and stuff, that kind of doesn't really come through in the way they work together. Like there's no real reason to have this. Why does this super fucking badass like monster killer? need this like weirdo with him like his character was always just kind of like i have a deep voice yeah. and i'm an-. and and whippleman says it himself actually he's like um he says it about the difference between him and paul Heyman. is like there's a lot of the differences in managing and like when managers were used you had to different yourself differentiate yourself and essentially there's like two general types of managers there's serious and there's like goofy and the good ones can go through and do both, which is based. Bobby Heenan is a great example of that. He can be goofy or he can be serious. Um, and he's like, the, so if you think of a guy like Paul Heyman, he's a serious manager. Whereas like Whippleman was always goofy. And like, that's why he was always mid card. And it's like weird to have a Harvey Whippleman in a main event thing. I'm, that's not saying anything about his talent. It's just like, I don't know. It's just, it didn't really mix up for me. And I, the Sid thing was always like really forced. And that's why I think that, it's easily forgettable that he was in the Fed for his first run. Like, his second run hit a home way mm-hmm. more than his first, you know? Well, the whole thing that's interesting with Sid is he's basically played the same character for a million years, and they add just subtle embellishments that then 
change it completely, but they, it doesn't. Like it's it's fucking weird. He's a fascinating man. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah, because he moves on and Whippleman starts managing Kamala, and that's that's the one that makes sense to me. Where it's like, yes, this Carnival Barker is essentially managing someone who you would see at a yeah. you know? Like, that's the type of carnival character. Well, Kamala's also interesting in that it's such a, like, if you even pitched that now, they would just be like, abso-fucking-lutely not. Yeah, man. And the thing is, Kamala has done a bunch of uh, interviews about how Vince McMahon is racist, and <laughs> Whippleman came out and said, Kamala isn't racist, but he also did a pseudo 1930s black guy voice when he did an impression of Kamala. Yeah. So well. that's uh and at one time when he was talking about how he got cussed out backstage, he says he called me everything but a white man and a and the man of God. Yeah, Harvey, you're uh you're probably he's probably into a bit of bad things. He's a bad man things. I love him though. I mean that's the thing about wrestling man. Like casual racism is you're like, well, I mean I'll take that over actual criminal. Mm, I would say Harvey Whippleman's definitely done crimes. Oh no, but like oh, fun okay, ones. yeah, all right, good point. Like murder. Like he talks about how he, <laughs> well, he talks about how his job as a runner for the mob essentially was, and he th- only thought about this years later. But his job as a runner was he would make deliveries of just plastic cups because he was ten. He just delivers plastic cups oh, to God. bars. But the thing was, there was a, it was a, like imagine like a, imagine a box you would put like let's say how uh, much I'm dating myself here, but all right, well let's say you have a box, you have a PS4, yeah. right? So. You could basically fit two levels in there. One level had plastic cups, and then he was like, why am I delivering 12 plastic cups to a bar? It's like, oh, there's a half. And then he thought years later, like, oh, there's a bottom half of that box that I never looked in that was probably the real thing. (laughs) (laughs) Just for years, he was like, 12 plastic cups. Why do they need that? Oh, yeah, it's probably uh, hard drugs. For sure. For sure, guns are hard drugs. it's filled with people's teeth. (laughs) How many times do you think he unwittingly delivered a human hand? Uh, I'd say over under is five. Yeah, for sure. Um, but then we get uh, Kamala uh, defeated by the Undertaker. So now he's in that really, really lucrative oh, and, like Undertaker. And also, let's not forget uh, who is his co-manager? Uh, Revan Slick, baby. No. Uh, kimchi. Why the fuck is he named Kimchi? Because it's a spice. Yeah, a Korean spice. I like the idea that there's. In Japan, there was a like a manager named Oregano. <laughs> yeah, there's a uh, there's a manager called All Season Spice. <laughs> What's also weird is he's coming th- to the ring accompanied by garlic yeah, it's, powder. He's a man in a jungle uniform, but for inexplicably is wearing a Mister Wrestling Two mask. <laughs> like it doesn't make any fucking sense. Jesus Christ, what did Steve Lombardi yeah. do? Oh, it's so fucking weird. Also, the thing that I'll th- the thing other thing I wanted to bring up quickly about Kamala is Kamala in the WCCW was like. Holy Jesus fucking Christ, this guy's terrifying. And he was managed by Skandor Akbar, and they literally just had Skandor Akbar talk about how no one would issue a challenge to Kamal. And they would just show these vignettes of him walking around in the grass, and it's like, I went to Africa, I found this fucking guy, he's not a wrestler, he's fucking crazy, he'll fucking kill you. And it was a great way to build it. Then they bring Kamala to the WWE, and they're like, uh, he's an African warrior, we think. I don't know, black guys, right? Okay, bye. Well, the thing, the thing with Kamala is they did this a lot, and it's like how they neuter it with Big Show, whereas Big Monster Heel, he comes mm-hmm. in, right? Big comes in, Big Monster Heel, then they turn him face, and he actually had a really cool face gimmick. I mean, it's it's not you couldn't do it now, but essentially it was like since he's like the just a tribesman or whatever, very good at fighting, but he doesn't really understand what wrestling. So he would do this thing where 
Have you ever seen this when he was a face where it's like he would splash the guy, but he would always splash it so the guy was yeah. on his stomach? And then he would try and pin the guy, but on his stomach. And then it was that whole th- call and response thing. Turn him on his stomach. And it was like getting the kids to help him win. It was actually like a really... And honestly, I thought Kamala, at this time at least, you look at a guy like that on a territory and he's the biggest by far and he's super intimidating because everyone's like six feet tall. But you look at Kamala here and it's like, oh, this out of shape guy doesn't know what's going on. Someone save him from Hulk Hogan. (laughs) You know what I mean? This poor sad man's sleepy and he thinks he's a wrestler. Aww. Like... Right, but like you look at the size of Hulk Hogan versus the size of this dude's wrists, and you're like, I mean, I'm taking Hogan here. Yeah, like, it's I, the, you can't convince me Hogan's I'm the. I'm taking underdog. Hogan over a man who looks visibly winded. Yeah, exactly. It just looks like yeah, <laughs> just like exactly. But I mean, the man played his character great, and it was a great, uh, it was a great union. Right, they were married. Oh, uh, Whippleman. Then uh, he goes on to manage your boy, Giant Gonzalez. Ho ho, and. Uh, Apparently, when they did the breakup for this angle, as we all know, uh, Giant Gonzalez comes in. The first guy to really debut by murdering The Undertaker and then immediately is out of the Fed. And apparently, like, The Undertaker and a couple other people had told Whippleman that uh, Giant Gonzalez couldn't work at all. And Whippleman was like, I can't be that bad. <laughs> and then he dropped him from 13. Can we just go- I know that this episode is really rambling and we keep going back. Can we just go back quickly to the Kam- the only thing that's interesting and a distinction about the Kamala match is Kamala is the only guy that gets two Undertaker specialty matches and runs away from the first one. So at the, at the SummerSlam, okay. account, it's just an interesting way of extending the feud <coughs> where they go basically uh, Kamala and the Undertaker in the casket match. Kamala runs away. So the Undertaker's declared the winner, but isn't because he didn't put him in the uh, he didn't beat him but he was so scared because Undertaker just brought a casket to the ring and then they have the Survivor Series match where Undertaker puts him in a casket and it's also the first time where instead of they you just put him in the casket and win you pin and then he puts you in a casket and he nailed the door the fucking a way yeah. more intimidating th- way to do it and obviously they didn't do it again because they're like no, we can't have this man y- y- nailing people into a casket and then having children being like, <laughs> woo, woo, woo. It's super, like, looking back on the Undertaker's character, man, it's super dark. Yeah, it's fucking, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That this just, zombie's like, coming to fucking kill I remember kill there was, you. like, oh, a bunch of, well, the other thing was, I remember there was a bunch of, like, Saturday mornings where it was, like, the Undertaker would put, like, a jobber in a body bag. Whoever else was just talking about how they couldn't breathe. Yeah. <laughs> so you're just telling me? This guy, this this out of shape guy, fought a seven footer, died, got beat up, knocked out, and now he's being yeah. Now he's slowly dying because he's a <laughs> That's bitch. That's not fun. <laughs> he can't fight, so yeah. he deserves to die. That. Oh, also during this time, about 1993, is when they start doing. Have you seen the Memphis Jerry, the Memphis uh, WWF feud in USWA? I have not. Oh, the me- me- say that again. The Memphis, the who what? You cut so out for a second. I'm so sorry. Basically, no worries. Jerry Lawler, Jerry Lawler is uh, being a heel in 93 against Bret Hart, which mm-hmm. we all know, right? But they do a bizarro version of that feud where essentially all the WWF main guys like Bret Hart, Vince McMahon plays a heel, Howard Finkel yeah, plays bro. a heel, and they all come in and fucking just start calling everyone in Tennessee yeah. hicks. We're from New York. We're better than you. And Lawler justifies it. Like, listen, I'm sorry. I have to fight dirty, but I have to because these goddamn Yankees don't respect me. It's not about my actions in the ring. It's about the fact that they think you guys are all hillbillies. It's fucking insane. Howard Finkel plays a heel against Harvey Whippleman. 
It's it's great. You sent me the uh, one of the promos, and I went on a little jaunt. It's great, and also uh, Jerry Lynn Jerry Lee Lawler implies that he killed um, uh, Andy Kaufman. Jerry Lee Lawler. Jerry fuck. Well, that's great oh, balls of fire. Well, that. listen, based on their sexual proclivities, they're You're basically... A bitch. No, You're I'm a not. bitch. You're a oh, why are you looking bitch. in the mirror and talking to that's me? That's true. You could confuse, though. You could confuse, though. That's true. Based on their sexual... Yeah. That's true. If anything, Jerry Lee Lewis's proclivities are far too pedestrian for the King of Memphis. <laughs> but that's the thing, man. Yeah. Uh, it's so amazing. And the oh, other... Can I just say, thing is, Jerry Lawler that implies kid. that he murdered Andy Kaufman. Yeah, he says... Because Howard Finkel does a spot-on, by the way, redneck Tennessee accent, making fun of everyone mm-hmm. in Memphis. And uh, then he says, you don't want to talk like that. You remember what happened to Andy Kaufman. That's right, Howard Finkel. You're going to get cancer and die if you make fun yeah, of Tennessee. Because it's basically saying, I, get, I beat a man so bad, he got cancer. <laughs> Um, wrestling, man, it, wrestling, enough, wrestling. Guys. If you haven't, if you have a second, Harvey Whippleman, Howard Finkel, because it shows you both the heel stuff that Whippleman does in the WWF, where he calls <laughs> Howard Finkel retarded. Oh, it's delightful. <laughs> a little bit of PG era uh, wrestling. Hey, you look retarded. Yeah, you. <laughs> well, listen, I'm gonna say it. Accurate. Yo, 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 all right. So this begins. Can we rattle them off until we get to the fun ones? All right. Here's who. Here's who he manages intermittently, and then the real star. He manages. Uh, Mr. Hughes Great. for a minute. Mr. Hughes. Uh, just before. Adam. Just a quick pause. Mr. Hughes. Fascinating thing about Mr. Hughes. Seems like he would have been a big star, but just refused to get in shape or change out of his uniform from driving a limo. I thought he was. He looked so intimidating, but apparently Jericho has a story where he literally fell asleep. Yeah, like that's him. the thing where it just seems like he's just so unprofessional. They're like, we just can't though. <laughs> So he manages Mr. Hughes, and he manages Adam Bomb until he turns face. Uh, he manages well. Oh, the best. Oh, the fucking Amazing. best tag team in the world. Timothy Well and Stephen Dunn. I love, I love that they were like, they have a list of boring tag teams on the WWE Network, and they listed Well Done. And then you really notice that, like, Well Done had thongs painted onto their... Um, I think we mentioned this in Patreon episode where we talk about Smoky Mountain, uh, but... They had thongs painted on. Easier over than tights. working out. That's all I'm saying. Ooh, yeah, that's good. You can use. You can use. Can I steal course. that? I mean, use that. Easier than working out. That's yeah, let's just twerk it. With no context yeah. to what well, it is. Let's just twerk out instead. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> um, he of course has a big blow off match with a tuxedo match against Howard mm-hmm. Finkel, and I'm just gonna say this: they don't do that shit enough anymore. Like, why? Why didn't Justin Roberts feud with like Ricardo Rodriguez? I know. Why don't they just? They also had times where it's like the referee just doesn't like that guy. Well, because that was part of Howard Finkel's gimmick was that he would always take the microphone from the ring announcer. The ring announcer would just leave or whatever. But then he started kind of going down the card a bit and. They decided, like, okay, Finkel clearly is better than Mr. Hughes, so they just started having... Sorry, uh, you know, I mean, Whippleman's more the star than Mr. Hughes. Finkel will be like, no, fuck you, I'm introducing yeah, you my job. Yeah, you piece of shit. And then that's a perfect, easy way. Yeah, no, it's know? fucking great. Because they never show that on TV. Like, when Ricardo Rodriguez was doing, or Lana was doing the intro for their Rusev or uh, Alberto Del Rio, they never showed the struggle of the guy taking the mic from the ring, holding on to it. Like, that's such an easy fuck. There's a lot of... 
Whippleman angles here that I really like his mid card shit. So what's actually what I find fascinating is that they don't do more of this stuff. That they're kind of just like no, because he's right there. It's not like he's not there to be yeah. like. Remember when we did this? No one will remember it. Let's do this. Yeah, man. The guy's like a living encyclopedia of wrestling. Like the guy has been never. He's only had a job being like a yeah. weird go getter. Like he's never. You would be fascinating as if if we were just like made a WWE 24 documentary Harvey Whippleman goes just does a normal office job oh my god he'd get arrested for sexual harassment within seconds <laughs> I can't smoke yeah. inside here oi cans you mean your boss yeah <laughs> I switch the water to have beer in it is that fine no you're fired oh that was a good 40 yeah. seconds wah, wah. so he um this is what we all remember, maybe. I think this is... Certainly, I remember this from when I was a kid. His fucking storyline with Bertha Faye... Oh, it's the best. Where every time him and Bertha Faye kiss, Vince McMahon just goes, that's <laughs> disgusting. T- and he, you can even hear his thought process. She's fat and he's thin. How could they make love? <laughs> yeah. Ridiculous. Also... Wrong. Also... Wrong uh, is what stuff. he's yelling. Here's Bertha Faye's character, literally. Uh, she thinks she's attractive. And yeah, no, it's stupid. the best. That was her whole character. <laughs> it's essentially, it's the uh, human equivalent of that dog thinks she's people. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking terrifying. But uh, apparently, uh, he never really got along with uh, Bertha Faye. And if you watch this shit as an adult, you it really comes across. It really, really comes across. Because are, these are two great performers. Like, Rhonda Singh is fantastic yeah. and if you watch any of her japanese matches which i watched a bit of she's fucking great but they don't let her like even on her fucking first match this is her first match she's just facing some girl jobber the girl the jobber knocks her off her feet um she gets a bunch of offense in like it's so weird that they let this like just have her crush people it's 1990 fucking five like that's already a thing but uh I mean, some dynamite shit here. Like, their first interview, uh, I think it was uh, it's Harvey and Bertha Faye, because Bertha Faye starts by attacking Alundra Blaze, and then Doc Hendricks just basically is like, first of all, Rhonda, or uh, Bertha Faye, you're fat. Second of all, he makes it very clear, Michael P.S. Hayes does, that he is attracted to Alundra Blaze. He says, I follow her career for more ways than one. It's like, get the fuck out of here. Oh, well, Andrew. of course. <laughs> oh, the woman who ended up driving monster trucks? A dude who still is drinking Jägermeister on the rocks is into that. Allow me to not be shocked even a bit. <laughs> oh, this is, uh, Alundra Blaze is out to the ring. Pardon me, Vince. I have to go sniff the seat oh, she par- was lying on when she went oh, in the uh, back. Oh, Vince, mm. uh, good thing to bring up mm. while Alundra Blaze uh, walks through the uh, ring. Uh, I've had a vasectomy so that I don't ever need to pull out. <laughs> I can make them all count, mm. Vince. Bad Street, USA. I don't, yeah, I, That's what I call it. <laughs> you, how often do you think he brings up Bad Street USA's recording in creative meetings of the WWE? A thousand oh, I, times. He and I think it was actually one of the. It was one of the first like customized. Uh, well, songs. he claims he invented. First, he he has occasionally claimed he invented walking to the ring with music, which is not true. He's now amended yep. that to saying, yep. I was the first person to say, let's play rock and roll, which I'm just going to go ahead and say, not true. Just not true. Someone else did it before you. Yeah. I'm sure that 
I'm sure that before the 80s, someone thought, let's play contemporary music. Yeah, yeah there's just no, and it's, oh, it's awful. And you could just see in the WCCW WWE produced documentary where Kev, uh, Carrie, Kevin Von Erich has to like go along with this lie. And he's like, oh, yeah, it was sweet. And it's like, oh, this poor man, his entire family's dead. And he now has to fucking keep the lie going for uh, smelly man tit man. Yeah, well, it's like the guy that feuded with you now is a top guy in the company. It's like, I really want this legend zeal. Yes, Michael P.S. Hayes invented the headlock. He was the first person to punch a man. Before him, conflict as a part of drama was not a thing. Before him, wrestling was just a nice chat. (laughs) This is great, though. Uh, Harvey Whippleman starting uh, being a referee as Handsome Harvey. We've talked about this before with with Judge Jeff Jones. Not Not enough enough fucking referees. Um... Also, the interesting thing, can I just sort of, if you look at his managerial career, it's interesting because Harvey Whippleman does not have the fucking rage and heat that any other manager had, even though he did some really fucked up things to wrestlers. And if it was anywhere else, like he, they would have gotten over and turned it up that extra level, like look no further than, and it's covered in length in the Janet Gonzalez episode where they chloroform the Undertaker. But it's just kind of... Like, yes. It just rolled over and continued because he never, A, no babyface really ever gets one over on him. He always has another guy around the corner that just takes their place and keeps feuding. And then they go into this whole referee thing and they also never really go anywhere with it. Like it's this weird thing where he keeps his job even though they kind of, his entire career in the ring is, here's chapter one, we don't need a second chapter. Well, the thing is, by 1995, uh, Howard Finkel has gotten the revenge. It's never about Whippleman, because usually, like with Heenan, it was always, I got to beat up this dude to get to Bobby Heenan, get him in the weasel suit, stuff like that. With Whippleman, the point was never to get to Whippleman. It was always just beating the guy that Whippleman was representing. It's like, it sounds weird, but it's like, uh, Whippleman was in the sidecar. He wasn't driving. You know what I mean? He was, you know, does that make sense? Like, where's... A lot of, because like he said, he was a funny manager, right? So he was doing all this mm-hmm. goofy shit. So the point wasn't to get him. It was to get the wrestler because the wrestler is the serious part. He's just like the dude who helps the heel wrestler as a function of, oh, you're not as good as the baby face. In our, if this was a one-on-one contest, the baby face will win out, right? But they have sneaky, stupid Harvey Whippleman who's just Yeah, they have, they have so, Joey reservation yeah. cigarettes just g- letting everyone get away with it again. <laughs> yeah. They have the human flea market yeah. on their side. So, yeah, and then and this is, like, such a natural thing where it's, like, as Whippleman moves down the card, he's no longer seen as a threat because he's managing, like, Adam Bomb <laughs> and Mr. Hughes, and he's been, like, <laughs> Andy has Andy, Andy's a relationship with Bertha Faye, which makes him weird and disgusting, right? Um, I have a feeling Vincent Wan so, has continually employed him just so he can bring him into his office and be, like, tell me about that time you fucked that fat woman. And he was like, I never actually did that. Ha, 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 you did. Get out. No, he genuine. he says he's been into Vince and Stephanie's office four times in his run in the WWF of over 26 oh my years. And I believe that. I believe that Vince doesn't know he still has Harvey Whippleman there. Or that Harvey Whippleman looks so different because he's changed his look to like look like a normal dude that he doesn't know that's I, Harvey Whippleman. I want to not believe you. I 100% think you're right. Because you haven't heard any of the stories like that where a guy's walking around backstage just saying hi and then, he goes, and then Vince goes, oh, what are you doing here? Where's your gear? And he's like, oh, I'm just visiting. He's like, visiting? Go in the ring now. And they're like, okay. <laughs> what? All right. I, like, I don't want to. 
I forget. I there's like, the there's multiple stories of that where it's like someone just some guy just went backstage and uh, then had to borrow someone's like generic ring gear and everyone's like, why was, you know, for instance, like why was Bobby Roode wearing blank tights? And like oh, because he didn't. He was just showed up to say hi to somebody, and Vince was like, "Go job to him." Um, like keep in mind, he doesn't know that fucking. Um Oh, what the fuck is his name? Oh, goddamn. One half of the club has been in the Fed before. He didn't know that that guy was the fucking... Oh, oh, Luke Gallows. Yeah, he yeah. didn't know Luke Gallows had worked in the WWE before. Yeah, you didn't know he was yeah. Festus. Yeah, fantastic stuff. But yeah, I mean, this is such a natural thing where it's like heel manager always disagree with the referees. So why not have that heel manager start a feud with the referees? He works as a scab ref for a bit. And then do you know why he won the uh, women's title? Oh. <sighs> No. All right, he won the women's title because they had the belt on the cat. They wanted to get the belt on Jacqueline, but they were worried that Jacqueline would just beat the living shit out of the cat, like, actually badly. So that's why he won the title. It's like, well, I mean, we're not going to put it on Luna so she can lose to Jacqueline. Let's just have put it on Harvey, and then Harvey can die. Oh, that's so fucking awful, man. It's so funny, man. And... Here's the other thing is, like, watching Jacqueline work, it's like, oh, yeah, I forgot that, like, she was, like, actually a women's wrestler, yeah, like, though. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, that, ex- yeah, she's, ex- we didn't mention this in the Luna episode, but, like, Luna was, like, Luna said that the best, the two best people she worked with were Alundra Blaze and fucking Jacqueline. Yeah, she's fucking, yeah, she's an incredibly talented, great fucking, re- oh, it's, fu- oh. It's so fun, it's so great, though, man. Yeah, he, uh, so that's why he won the title, and, uh, if you look at the match, uh, Jacqueline beats the living shit out of him. Of <laughs> she course she does. She just fucking sandbag throws him on the ground. Wouldn't Fucking you, so if you're literally being like, oh, um, yeah, how do we say this? You're going to get in a ring with someone who basically we don't respect your dream. So go face that guy. <laughs> uh, I just like to make this clear. Uh, the things you think are good yeah. aren't. Hey, you're a piece of shit. So uh, go wrestle this man. Uh, you mean beat up this man? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I see you as a completely... You're a coat rack mm. with tits. That's what I see. You're something to rest my jeans on. And you got nice... I call you where my cum goes. <laughs> are you a man or are you where my cum yeah. goes? <laughs> You're where my nice. cum goes um all right let's talk about this before we wrap up harvey whippleman is the angel of death i never wrap it up <laughs> continue john harvey whippleman angel of who death. who was in the car with joey morella harvey who, whippleman yolo 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 um, jim Cornette, when he got the call that brian pillman was dead was alone in the bowels of the arena because everyone else was getting ready for the show they were having production meetings he was just walking by the phone he realized he needed to call the hotel to see where Hel- pillman was because he hadn't shown up yet then he got the news that he was dead because this is the story basically is Pillman was such a prolific ribber that he thought that Pillman had slept and missed his flight and then was fucking with him and stood next to the hotel manager and didn't believe it until the homicide detective got on the phone and he was like, oh, and then he needed someone to go get Bruce Pritchard, who was the head of talent because they have a procedure for this because the WWE is the saddest place to work ever that they have a, a written procedure for when there's a dead guy. And who, who's the first guy um, um, by the room and has to tell everyone? Harvey Whippleman. Harvey Whippleman. Yeah, man. Uh, there was, it's there's another so... example. Oh, Kamala's dead. Oh, no, Kamala has the legs. All of his, like most of the wrestlers he worked with um, have broken their legs at some point, if you think, or have problems with their legs. Kamala, no legs. Sid, 
Broke his legs. Giant Gonzalez dead. No legs. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> De- dead by virtue of having yeah. no legs. Birth of, yeah, birth of face so fat you can't see your legs. <laughs> it's amazing. The most That's interesting funny. thing about researching this guy is that he's fucking stayed in the business longer than, like, his career is longer than Stone Cold Steve Austin's career, almost as long as the Hul- as Hulk Hogan's career. Like, it's fucking crazy. Yes, he's not that much of an in-ring performer, but just, he's consistently stayed with two companies over his entire base. Yeah, well, I mean, it all goes to his credo. It's essentially no ego. Like, don't have an ego when you step to work someplace. Just be thankful, essentially, that you're working. Absolutely. Out. And also, he has a weird friendship with The Rock that if you could picture, how the fuck are those two friends? One guy is literally doing... He's friends with a bunch of dudes because... I guarantee it's just like this impotent little like there's another Sid story where it was like someone cut him off Whippleman was driving Sid to a when he was super green and he just started as Lord Humongous was driving him to a gig and someone cut Willeman off and then he was like no one gets someone over on the boys and then drove up and tried to cut him off and Sid was like chill the fuck out man I'm the one who's going to have to fucking fight you little Oh that happened a loser. bunch of times Sid had to punch basically a kid because um, Harvey Whippleman was just chatting with other wrestlers and the fans were massing out to start a riot and to get to the car Sid had to punch a, like a teenager <laughs> But that's the thing, man. Like, he's that dude. Like, he's... You know how it's funny when, like... He's just a small guy who gets real angry, and there's never a time that won't be funny. I like it. Yeah, he's, You know what I mean? We have a lot of friends who are comedians who are 5'2", and they're really angry, and we're like, oh, look at this little Basically, guy their dynamic is our dynamic, and I'm Sid, and you're Harvey Whippleman. Oh, no, yeah, I'm No, Sid, I already said Whippleman. that, you that's fucking so piece of shit. No, you're Vader. No, I'm, I'm Vader. Harvey Whippleman. You're fat. You're fat. You're fat. You're fat. You're fat. You're fat. I'll, f- you're I'll fat. fuck you. You're fat. No, you won't. No, you won't, because I'll say no, and you'll. True, I am. I am. Low. I'm the Oprah of this podcast. You're the Harvey Weinstein. No, I'm not. Oh, good comeback. You're good Harvey comeback. Weinstein. You're no, you're not. You fucking idiot. Oh, sorry, I couldn't hear you talking, Kevin Spacey. That's you. Yolo. That's you, guys. What's your favorite thing about Harvey Whippleman, John Hastings? Longevity, baby. Both in the sack and in his career. Yeah, it's fantastic, bitch. Uh, I think my favorite thing is that he uh, he's a. Uh, uh, short <laughs> no uh really talented dude really self-aware and uh i think that in as a person forget about wrestling as a person that's an amazing quality to have where it's like hey uh we don't think you're that good a manager anymore we're transitioning out of managers do you want a yeah. sandwich yes i want a sandwich that's my new job <laughs> you know oh, what i mean the like best. and like most of it, most of him being a go-getter is essentially like he's invented his own job because like they have catering. It's just legit. Sometimes the big show wants hot dogs and he gets him those hot dogs. Like that's his job, though. He's the go-getter. Like he'll get props and shit. He's essentially he's essentially went from imagine on a hol- imagine a movie like imagine like who would you say Harvey Wolfman is like as an actor, like some guy who was like, OK, in the 90s. Imagine if. Steve Gutenberg right now went to being a PA and he was totally fine with it. But that's it's it's actually more it's more like, than that insane. because it's it's actually a weird job that like it is a producer credit on a movie which is like oh by the way tomorrow we now need forty doves, and there are just guys that are like yeah on it I can do it like I was on a co- I was on a commercial set in December and they suddenly decided they needed. 40,000 Tic Tacs in the Ukraine and there was just a guy from Paris who was like I'm on it and you, we literally the next day 40,000 not actual Tic Tacs but things that look like Tic Tacs were there yeah exactly that's Harvey Whippleman Harvey Whippleman did that what's the worst thing about Harvey Whippleman I will tell you John? this it's this story right here he w- was uh 
and it's because he doesn't finish the story and tell us what happens. It's from his book, uh, Wrestling. He's sharing a room with three other people, one of whom is The Rock, another of whom is a, like an, a local promoter, and one other guy is someone he likes to drink with. Harvey Whippleman had drank all of his beer, has had the other guy. The Rock hid his keys every night so he wouldn't just drive drunk. They then steal the local promoter's keys, drive to a bar, drink until two or three in the morning is what they say, which I'm just like, I like that you don't know. Also, when is last call in America? There never seems to be last call. They drive back and The Rock and the promoter (laughs) are just in front of their hotel room. And then it goes, and then that's when things got serious. And then the chapter just ends and you're like, no, fuck you. Tell me what the fuck happened. Like, well, how did, why were they awake? How did they know? What in the name of God? <laughs> that's terrifying. Yeah, that's the worst thing about him. Um, I think the worst thing about him is um, he's probably racist. <laughs> that's probably the worst thing. Oh, great point. Like, read between the lines. He's not like, I mean, let's define racism here. He's not open casual and if you were like hey man don't say that it's making me uncomfortable he'd be like call you a pussy or something also no here's the worst thing about him legit um he has a picture of him and donald trump in his house oh that says all no 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 no. yeah he has a there's apparently there's there's four pictures it's like trump him and trump uh jesus and then on top of them all uh elvis presley good loves elvis that's I not, assume The Rock is one of them. I assume it's like thing. Jesus Christ, Elvis, The Rock, Trump. <laughs> He's had a fucked up life though, man. I forgot to mention this, but like during that Joey Morella thing, when he woke up in the hospital, he was being read his last rites. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, he was like, he was, yeah, he was like, oh, doc, what's wrong with me? And he's like, and the guy had to be like, there was no one else in the room. And he's like, oh, I'm not a doctor. I'm a, I'm a priest. He was like. You read me in my last rites, motherfucker. He <laughs> screamed that in a priest's face. Yeah. That's pretty good. That might be also cool. the best thing. Yelling motherfucker at a priest. <laughs> yeah, the, you know what? Uh, let's redo our, our best things. The time he yelled motherfucker at a priest. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening to the... Uh, <laughs> um, all in all, I'm going to say this. We've had a couple of weeks of real depressing episodes. Harvey Whippleman, what a tonic. Just like, oh, yeah. He smokes cigarettes and has a job. Like it's just great. It's just a, it's a real positive, nice thing. You're like, oh, it, work, it all works out. I guess. I don't think the Rock and Roll Express was that depressing. We made it, we made the we made the best of out of a weird situation. Um, but yeah, thanks very much for listening, guys. Uh, once again, this is uh, at Wrestler Review on Twitter and Instagram. That's at Wrestler Review on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can join us on Patreon for our episodes. What do we do? Uh, we did alternate commentary of an ECW mm-hmm. on TNN. We did the top five uh, best match stipulations. And then we have our previous month's um, two Patreon episodes. We'll be moving to three as of next month. We'll be adding uh, Greatest Feuds. We'll basically give a 30-minute uh, to 45-minute summary of the greatest feuds of all time. I'll throw this out there. Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat. Yeah, Not going to be on this I fucking list. I want to make list. an asterisk. It's the best, the best feuds of all times. Asterisks that we that think are, are the worst feuds, like the best worst feuds. Like an example would be Booker T Triple H. Yeah. Um. Whatever got Judy Bagwell yeah. in the um, ring. You know anything that would involve P.D. Williams and Scott Steiner. Oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The evolution of Scott Steiner, maybe. I don't know. Who fucking yeah. knows? There'll be three episodes a month. It's only five bucks. Fucking pony up, you stupid pieces of Oy, fucking shit. Fuckos, give me your fucking money or I'll fuck you. Uh, 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 money, money, money. We have none of it. Give us some of it. Thanks very much for listening, guys. We'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Mm. We're here.
to talk about the World Wrestling Federation Women's Championship. And let me tell you right Whoa. now, Doc, my honey, honey, my sweet potato, my gorgeous Bertha Faye, without a doubt, will be the next WWF Women's Champion. Because you see, not only is she the most gorgeous creature on the planet. Uh, debatable. Not only has she got the intelligence to have the finest bow on the planet. The one in her hair, the one around her neck. But she has whooped every girl in the trailer park. That's something to be proud of. She has whooped every girl at the honky tonk. Huh. And just like you said, it is time for this gorgeous Bertha Faye to become the WWF Women's Champion. And just like our special love, that championship will be there forever. Well, let me ask you something here, Bertha Faye. You know, I've been watching Alundra Blaze's career for a long time for more reasons than one. But anyway, you are the only person to ever injure her, to ever put her out. Does this send you into your inevitable matchup confident? <laughs> Alundra Blaze, you cannot compete with me on sex appeal because I have it all. Look at this. All right. Nice skirt. Alundra Blaze, you can't compete with me on men because I have the ultimate man a woman could ever want. <laughs> oh my, take a look at Harvey. That's disgusting. Alundra Blaze, you cannot compete with me on talent because I have it all. And the only thing that is going to change is that when I become the WWF Women's Champion, that belt is going to have a few more polka dots on it. <laughs> well, oh my. I tell you, the good Lord makes them and the good Lord pairs them. Oh my. Let's listen up again to this too.